Hi, I'm Jim Shooter, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 68 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob. Here's Johnny. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I, I don't know if, to, if I should be amused or a little bit terrified. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm good with both. <laughs> that's what you're going for yeah uh, amused and terrified yeah yeah uh well you you recognize that of course of course yeah yes that was from the shining yes and what year did the shining come out bob gosh uh was it around 83 or have you learned it? nothing <laughs> from all the podcast episodes we've done bob what uh, year is the comic book we're covering come out i i honestly don't know rick <laughs> uh, see folks uh, this is this is what i have to deal with yeah I, he does I'm, have he deals with a lot you know but i do all the research bob just shows up <laughs> i'm there for color commentary folks uh, <laughs> the the episode we covered today is the same year as the, the movie Shining that came out, which would be 1980. Ah. So we today are covering Captain America Volume 1, number 241, ah. uh, which came, it has a, well, it has what a- the, Why did I see that? I was way too young to be in the movie theaters watching The Shining. Uh, I don't know. 1980, for crying out loud. I know. That My was parents. a scary movie. It was, it was. That's it. I'm reporting your parents. Yeah, you need to do that. Where's Dyfus when you need him? <laughs> no, the uh, yeah. So Captain America 241, right? It um, it is a it's a one shot story that we thought was really cool. We wanted to cover, and it is the issue with the Punisher. So it's Cap versus the Punisher. Now it does have a cover date of january 1980 so it probably hit the stands a few months before then so probably around november um it, it was in in the stands of 1979 but but we don't we don't need to worry about that we'll just stick with the 1980 all right bob so you know as a i don't know this is a kind of like a moment of truth um we did have a, a little bit of a wager that we talked about in the last uh-huh last episode don't tell me you've lost 10 pounds already uh well that was the wager right like we uh-huh. both we both realized that we wanted to lose 10 pounds this year uh-huh. uh and we said we're going to encourage each other mm-hmm. to help 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 each other lose those 10 pounds um then we decided to do a wager and the mm-hmm. wager was that uh the 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 winner whoever loses 10 pounds faster than the other person mm-hmm would be able to pick the song that the other person has to sing. It's 30 seconds, you know, won't be the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I think you threw a song out there. What was the song that you threw out? I, I mean, I, I was toy last week. I was toying with the Def Leppard's pour some sugar on me. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think I, I said, uh, maybe you should sing Cindy Lauper's girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I've given it a little bit more thought, Bob. Oh, have you? I have. Uh-huh. I have a song here in mind uh-huh. that I think would be perfect for you to sing. All right. You want to hear it? Yeah. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. I, I would love to hear you sing that, Bob. You know now, what? Just whatever it is, you don't make eye contact with me. <laughs> the, you know, that song, uh, that song and I have, have a long relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do uh, tell. Well, back, back in the day when I was a young second lieutenant, 
I was uh, attending the surface-to-air missile officers course at Fort Bliss, Texas. And mm. in my off hours, my friends and I would go to a little club called Aceitunas, which means little green olive, apparently. And, and there was a band there called QID, you know, four mm-hmm. times a day, the Latin uh, thing you write on prescriptions, QID. And that was like one of their, the hit song covers, cover songs that they used to, uh, they used to play. And uh, I had, I had the hots for a waitress there. And I remember mm. a friend of mine had the hots for the lead singer. And uh, we had, a, we got a cassette you know, then back then the yeah, bands sure, they yeah. sold cassettes, not CDs, and they sold them. And, and for years and years and years after we had moved on, every six months or so, we would send the cassette to the to the other guy, mm-hmm. uh, and then just sort of pass it around. And eventually, it would make its way back to you for your six months of using that cassette. And I don't know whatever happened to it, but I think about it all the time. But that was the first song on the cassette. They did a cover to that nice, song. Nice, so. nice. So, yeah. Bob, whatever happened with the waitress? Was there a uh, <laughs> a little surface to air missile going on there? There was a, there was a love connection for a while, uh, Rick. Yeah, there was. There was. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. There was. Well, then um, maybe I don't want you to sing this song. <laughs> I got one for you. I've been I've been thinking about. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. Because I was you know I was thinking Def Leppard, but then I thought maybe something like this. <laughs> Oh, all right, Bob. Now, oh, wait a minute. I just have to sing. I don't have to dance, right? <laughs> you may find that it helps. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Well, you know what? Hold on. All right. It's still young, right? It's only been a week. It's only been a week. How much have you lost, Bob? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked. Because I, I weighed myself a couple times since last week. And a few days ago, I weighed myself. And I, I realized I was down by 1.3 pounds. Oh. Yes. And then you put, you, then you put some back on. I, I, and then, like the mob, it pulled me right back in. No way. <laughs> so what are you? I'm back up to 207.3. So, yeah. So, so right back where I began, buddy. Oh, seriously? <laughs> so you lost 1.3 and then, and then oh, yeah. gained it I back? Know. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Ah, you had me sweating there for a minute. You had yeah. me sweating. Yeah. Uh, I have lost exactly one pound. Wow. Exactly one pound. Right, I weighed right. myself this morning. Yeah. And uh, so, all right. Nine more yeah. to go. All right. But um, hard part's we'll, we'll, over. <laughs> yeah, I guess. No, the, the last five is always the hardest. <laughs> um, all right. So we'll just keep each other uh, mm-hmm. encouraged here. And then maybe we'll put it out to the Facebook group. Maybe uh, people can vote for what songs they mm, think Bob that, should sing yeah. and then what songs Rick should sing. I like that. Uh, we need to separate them. They, they yeah. can't be whatever. You know what I mean? Across the streams. Yeah. No, no crossing streams. All right. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Bob. So let's get to let's get to issue two forty one. So um, this has a forty cents cover price. Um, the corner box is the Jack Kirby corner box that he you know when he came back for a little bit there, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he created his you know his his new corner box. So it has that and it has the Marvel Comics group across the the banner across the top with the red, white, and blue Captain America logo uh and on this cover wow what a yeah what amazing cover by frank miller and bob mcleod yes but 
<laughs> but I am concerned about that shadow. The shadow? On, uh, on Cap's torso. I can't quite figure out where the light's coming from. Well, maybe, maybe you could ask Bob McLeod that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he, he's the anchor. <laughs> uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it is a stunning image of Captain America who is um, without his shield. And they're on a rooftop in, in downtown Manhattan. Um, and where is Cap's shield? Well, it is on the ground. Um, and... The Punisher is standing with his boot on top of it in his best Captain Morgan pose. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he's got his uh, left hand on his belt and his right holding a machine gun, which is almost like inches away, point blank on Captain America's chest right there at the white star on his, his chest. And uh, Cap's got his arms out like, whoa, like you got me. Um, and the, the caption reads, powerless before the Punisher. So why did we want to cover this issue? Well, because it's, it's actually a pretty monumental issue. It's not just a cool cover. But, um, wow, I did a little research. Um, so this is, the Punisher first appeared an amazing Spider-Man um, in 1974. This is the only the 11th appearance hmm. of the Punisher. But what's really interesting about it, it's the first appearance of the Punisher out in, in a comic book outside of Spider-Man. So there were eight appearances of Punisher in Spider-Man and then there were two in like these magazines where the mm-hmm. Punisher had like his own story. So um, it was Marvel Preview number two, and then there was um, Marvel Super Action number one, and the Punisher had his own story starred in those. But those were more like magazines. They weren't part of, you know, I don't know, typical continuity, if you would, if you would say. Um, so this is the first time outside of a Spider-Man book that the Punisher appeared. And not only appeared, but man. He's got a huge appearance here on the cover. And so, and, and it's the first time he's appeared in, in, in Marvel uh, in two years since December of 1977. So, um, so it's interesting that they decided to, to bring the Punisher into a story in Captain America. So what, what's been going on in Captain America during this time? Um, it, it, this story is written by Mike W. Barr. Now, this is kind of a fill-in issue, right? Roger McKenzie had um, a, ni- a nice little run writing Captain America in the late 70s. Uh, he wrote, uh, and then I think his last one was issue 236. Um, and, he, and he was doing it with uh, Sal Basim. Sal was doing the art during, during that time. Uh, and then Sal's last issue was, was, was the next one, 237. Um, and then we have a couple of fill-in writers, you know, come in. We have a Peter Gillis comes in with two issue issue two thirty eight and two thirty nine, and um, and then we go back to Roger McKenzie, like two forty three to two forty five, uh, back to Peter Gillis two forty six, and then and then we get the Roger Stern John Byrne issues, right? For starting with two forty seven. So there's this little period here of a, a not a uh, regular creative team we have a different writer we have a different artist and so mike w Barr was the was the writer and he came in and he did this story and then um and in case you're curious bob uh he did do a couple of other captain america stories he did uh issue 257 after stern and burn and then he did the um uh the what if uh, issue uh, number 26, uh, which came out in 1981. That was the, what if Captain America was elected president? And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of Captain America creative experience, uh, but he does a pretty good job in this story. Yeah. And then filling out the the creative team, um, the, the penciler on this is uh, Frank Springer. Now, Frank has been a, a penciler for Marvel 
uh, and I believe in DC, but mostly we're focused on Marvel is um, uh, for a while. And, and he's also done a ton of inks too. In fact, he's probably better known as an inker than as a penciler. Uh, but to give you some idea of some of the work that he's done, um, he did, uh, he was like the longtime penciler for uh, Dazzler uh, and G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Um, but he was, um, for Inks, he had a nice long run on the Invaders. Uh, so he he's no, no um, rookie when it comes to, to Captain America. In fact, when we just covered the Invaders Annual Volume 1, he was the, the inker on the, the Frank Robbins uh, stories. So, um, so he's been around for a while. And oh, oh, Bob, you know what else? What else Frank Springer has inked? What else, Rick? My giant size man thing. <laughs> That's a lot to take on. I, I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he, he's inked my giant size man thing. Um, number four. Okay. It was yeah. number four. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, Good for him. Good for yeah. him. And then also on the, uh, inking him in this particular issue is Pablo Marcos. Uh, colorist George Rossos, who's been on the book for a while. Letterer John Costanza. And then the editors are Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. And then the editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Well, I, I just want to ask you this question up front, Rick. Uh, before we jump into this, but 11th appearance, Punisher. Why, why do you think in 1980, they said, let's put, uh, let's put, let's put Punisher at Captain America for a, for a one shot uh, story with putting him on the cover. Any well, ideas? Uh, well, Bob, I, I, I see this look in your eye and I know there, there, you know the answer to the question when you ask it. This is this is what Bobby must look, look when you. He's like, oh, no. Dad's asking me a question. He no, I really answer. don't. I don't. I don't, Rick. I don't know the. I don't know the answer. I don't know. When, when did um, was it uh, was it Bernie Getz? What Bernie Getz. I think yeah, that was when, 1981. So I mean, that's what I thought initially. I, I wondered if there was some sort of editorial. Uh, you know, calculus that went into, hey, let's 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 put Cap up against Punisher. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but I don't know. I wondered if you had any insights into that. Um, I I'm sorry, Bob. I just spent ten minutes giving all the kind of research I've done. I'm. <laughs> and no. You just come and you show up and ask questions. <laughs> yeah, I I'm sorry. I'm researching. Well, maybe that. some of, maybe one of our listeners would have some insights into yeah. that. Um, well, I mean, I think we'll we'll probably notice when we cover the story that um, they're both soldiers or ex-soldiers, mm-hmm. former soldiers. Mm-hmm. True. Um, yeah. So I think maybe someone thought, well. You know, we have a, a World War II vet, a Vietnam vet, because back then, Frank Castle was written as a Vietnam vet. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. would it be interesting to to see uh, the two of them um, together? And and so that's what we've gotten. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So I have uh, my copy. Um, in uh, it's not in bad shape. It's probably a uh, I don't know, maybe a very fine, maybe fine, very fine issue um i will say i didn't buy this new off the rack i know i know some of our listeners uh are old enough uh to have done that but i this is maybe three four years before i started getting my caps off the rack yeah it's a hard to find book these days at least you know in in good condition because uh because it's so iconic um people people love that cover yeah so it's hard it's hard to come by so the title of this story is Fear Grows in Brooklyn. And on the, the opening splash page, we have um, these two thugs grabbing this uh, guy. Um, uh, looks like a, I wouldn't say a businessman, but he, you know, he's, he's dressed nicely, wearing glasses. And they're, they're about to pull him into an alleyway. But in the reflection of the glass on the pizza parlor, we see an, uh, an angry Captain America charging at the two, uh, the two thugs. And it says here, 
It's a bright and sunny morning in Brooklyn Heights as the borough's solid citizens return to work after a weekend of frantic leisure. Unfortunately, a few not-so-solid citizens have returned to work as well. Come on, Joey, give me a hand. Once we get this guy into the alley, we'll be glad, he'll be glad to tell us all we want to know. Joey, what you looking at? Joey? And if the mere reflection of a certain star-spangled Avenger is enough to strike Joey speechless, let me turn the page, just imagine the all his partner feels when Captain America strikes and Cap comes with his boots and he hits each thug in the face with each boot. What in the... And then the the uh, the victim here, you see here, uh, and the victim here thinks to himself, Captain America, just in time. Split up, man. He can't take both of us. And the uh, one thug goes chasing after the victim. Gotcha. Come here, pigeon. You ain't getting away. And Cap just looks at the two of them running and he says, they never learn. I not only can take both of them, but I will. And he throws his shield at one of them and he dives at the other one. Simultaneously, two star-spangled missiles fell their queries. And outside the alley, we see two police officers coming out of their car. Les, what's the noise? It's Captain America. Looks like he's doing our job for us again, Fred. Let's go. Good work, Cap. Hey, I recognize these guys. Yeah, they look like that out-of-town mob muscle that was reported in the area. Hitmen? Where? Yeah, no one's quite sure, Cap, but the local mobs seem to be up to something. They sure don't import expensive enforcers for nothing. Jim hyphen. <laughs> okay. That's very interesting. And it could explain why their victim didn't stick around to press charges against these goons. You got a cap. You let us know if you come across anything, okay? Of course. Well, thanks for taking care of these hoods, Cap. It's great having you in the neighborhood. And that goes double for me, man. I should have been long gone by now. I have an appointment in the city as Steve Rogers. But I couldn't very well run out on those cops while they were thanking me. It's nice to know that Cap's still appreciated. And he's in the alley uh, putting a a business suit over top of his Captain America uniform. Unfortunately, now there's only one way to make that appointment. Taxi! But even as Steve Rogers climbs into a waiting cab, just a few blocks away, a timid figure pokes his head out of a hiding place. Gotta hide. But where? Where? Frightened eyes sweep the quiet Brooklyn Heights Street and light on a sign that promises sanctuary. And there's a sign in the window that says, Room to Let. I haven't seen a sign like that in years, Bob. I know. Well, I haven't been looking. But is that an expression that you say anymore? Room to Let? Room to Let, yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't heard it in years either. But but yeah, you're right. right. So, so the, the, uh, the victim is like, perfect. Just what I need to lay low for a while. And the unassuming face of the former victim breaks into a smile, a smile pure only in malice. But what would this quiet, mysterious man do if he knew that his chosen sanctuary was only a shield's throw away from the apartment house of Captain America? Meanwhile, in Midtown Manhattan, Steve Rogers finds himself $5 poor, but only five minutes late. So he's in the... Uh, the lobby of a business building here and he's looking at the signs to figure out where to go for his appointment hmm nice greeting cards no failed detective agency here we are non-parallel publications inc ninth floor this isn't the ritziest building in the world but a fledgling commercial artist can't be too choosy oh bob i just just noticed a, a typo here can't be to choosy should be t-o-o not t-o you're right you're right somebody write a letter into the editor <laughs> um so then he comes out of the door ping, and he sees the non-parallel public publications inc 
Not a great elevator either. Ah, but their offices are probably like a palace. And he opens the door. Ow, this isn't a palace. It's a dungeon. Excuse me, ma'am. I must have the wrong office. And there's a middle-aged lady sitting behind a desk that's piled with stuff. And she says, if you're an artist, son, you're in the right office. Get your portfolio in here. I need you. Kramer's the name, son. Cynthia Maxwell Kramer. I am non-parallel publications. You're Steve Rogers. But I thought, I'll do the thinking, son. I'm an editor of this place. Maybe we're not much now, but there was a time when NPP had over 50 magazines to its name. And then she points to a, a portrait on the wall. That was back when my father, Maxwell Kramer, founded the line. Today, all we left is Tough, the magazine for macho men. But it, I, but it'll stay alive as long as I do. I promised dad that. But enough of publishing history. Let's see your samples. Hmm. Figures are a little stiff, Rogers. Not bad, though. But it's obvious that you know nothing about men in combat. <laughs> Look at the expression on Steve's <laughs> face. I don't. No, but I need artwork fast. And you're the only available artist who'll work for my rates. Here, Rogers, give me some sport illos for this article by Thursday. Think you can make deadline? <laughs> I, my my printing is a little blurred. Is that is that I L S E? It's Ilsa, the love prisoner of Stalag eighteen. No, ah. Miss um, Kramer, I I don't know if I'm right for this, right? I said you were right, didn't I? Why are you standing around? Get to work. Uh, yes, ma'am. So he gets his portfolio and he heads out. Phew, I'd rather fight a supervillain any day. Editors are nuts. <laughs> Still, it is an assignment, and I'd better get right to it. After lunch. Wonder where a guy can get a chili dog around here. Uh, so was that a, uh, a little slight to editors? I love it. I love it. Yeah. A little passive aggressiveness going on there, perhaps. Editors are nuts. She says, you don't do the thinking, son. I'm the editor of this place. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Mr. Barr had a, a little uh, passive-aggressive. Yeah, yeah, a little extra grind. Yeah. And so, two super dogs, one big orange, and a subway ride later, Steve Rogers emerges near the Brooklyn Heights apartment building he calls home. I can't stop thinking about that mugging this morning. Something's up. I wish I knew what it was. Climbing the stairs, he pauses at the raucous roar of a televised sporting event and traces it to its source, the apartment of Joshua Cooper. Hi, Steve. Me and Mike were just watching the fights. Pull up a chair. Say, how'd the appointment go? Great, Josh. I think. I met this. Now, before we continue, do you think Mike W. Barr is a sports fan. Uh, why do you ask? I don't know. I found this odd. At the raucous roar of a televised sporting event, and I'm thinking football, baseball, like not baseball, basketball, hockey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a, it's a fight. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess I'm going to, we're going to get a whole whole bunch of, uh, <laughs> of boxing fans. They're like, it's a sport. And be like all mad at me, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, wow, you're being picky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm adding uh, some color. To, oh, it's still a commentary. Story, all right. right. Yeah. Listen, this story is 42 years old. It's it's yeah. gonna it's gonna you know it's gonna ring yeah. a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Room to let. Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> no one talks like that anymore. What are you, agent? What are those pointy things sticking out the top of the TV? Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Suddenly, Steve's resuscitation is severed by a sharp scream from the other end of the hall. Bob, what's that? What's that scream sound like? <laughs> <laughs> and like an old fire horse what 
he instantly responds. And Cap turns and he runs. And uh, Mike yells, that was Mrs. Koppelbaum. Yeah, let's go. Racing down the hall, they storm into the apartment of the woman who has become almost a second mother to them. Mrs. K, are you all right? She's okay, Mike. But she's had some sort of shock. And he's Steve standing over her, and she's kind of kneeling on the floor. She's got one hand down, the other one resting on her forehead with her eyes closed. Shock? Yes, I guess that is it. I'll be fine in a minute. Would you boys let me talk to Steve alone? Uh, Sure, Anna, if that's what you want. The two tenants quickly withdraw, leaving Steve and Anna alone in uncomfortable silence, a silence unbroken until... Thank you for staying, Steve. I don't know why, but I feel I can confide in you. And Steve thinks to himself, I know why, Anna. It's because I rescued you from the German death camp, Diebenwald, back in World War II. You trust me, even though you don't know why. Steve, I could have sworn I saw a, a Nazi in the, al- in the alley across the street. And Steve goes to the window. Well, there, there's no one out there now, Anna. I know. Steve, could the memories of Diebenwald be catching up with me? Am I losing my mind? Now, hold on, Anna. I know you went through hell during the war, but you survived. You overcame. Your mind is as clear and strong as anyone's. And if you say you saw a Nazi out there, then I believe you. You just relax and don't worry. If you need me, I'm right upstairs. Thank you, Steve. Bless you. First at mugging this morning and now this. Has some old enemy of Caps tracked me down? Is there some connection that... No, that's ridiculous. And then we cut to the next panel and, and Steve's working on his art assignment. Entering his studio apartment, Steve tries to put his worries aside as he begins to work. The pictures come slowly at first. Then the flow begins and figures start to come alive on the penciled page. Lost in concentration, the hours pass until his attention is suddenly interrupted by a sound he knows all as well as his own voice. And what's the sound, Bob? A rifle shot. And he sticks his head out the window. Down the street, on that roof, it's him. Who's he referring to? It's him, as if he knows who it, who it is. Hmm. Steve Rogers bolts away from his window. Again, donning the costume whose colors symbolize the principles to which he has dedicated his life. And a moment later, it is Captain America who bursts out upon the building's roof. Never had to leave the building this way before, but it should work. And he jumps off the building, like the front of the building, to cross the street, Bob. That's a pretty far jump. That is, yeah. I didn't know he could do that. Does he still have the superpowers from Steve Engelhardt's run? I don't think so. Cap thinks to himself, blast, the roof tar is sticky. I, didn't, I don't think I got enough traction. Steve muscles tense and flex, launching the Avenger into space, only to find the flesh somewhat weaker than the fighting spirit. And then you see Cap kind of struggling to try to reach the other side, and he can't. I was afraid of this. Oh, well. This maneuver has worked since 1941, and there's no reason why it should stop working now. And he lands on a flagpole sticking out from the side of the building, which propels him up, up over the roof. His superbly conditioned body responding instantly, the living personification of the American dream again shoots skyward. And the next page, we see that he lands on the Punisher, only to encounter a figure whose black and white uniform and solemn demeanor stamp him indelibly as the Punisher. And the Punisher's like, what the devil? 
And then there's the the victim we saw before. They was trying to hide hide. He's up on the roof. He's kind of cowering. I, I don't believe it. With one supple move, Captain America places himself between the blazing guns of the ebony executioner and is relieved, if somewhat surprised, victim. So there he is, standing between the two of them, with his shield raised. All right, Punisher. How about drawing a bead on a target who can defend himself? Captain America, I followed your career for years, sir, and I can admire what you stand for. But this is none of your business. Either back off now, or I'll be forced to deal with you as I would any criminal scum. And he aims his machine gun at him. And then we get a little inner monologue from the Punisher, Bob. And it says, War Journal's entry, number 509. Captain America's unexpected presence was only a momentary setback to my timetable. His only weapon was not even a moment's diversion. Bob, would he say 509 or 509 as being a military guy? 509? He would say neither. He would say 509er. Should I read it that way? <laughs> no, I don't think it's necessary. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to start doing inner monologues like that for myself. <laughs> Bob Lucius, War Journal, number 1,743. It'd be more like Bob Lucius, Dad Journal. <laughs> <laughs> Going to make myself lunch. <clears throat> Dratted, the cat got in my way before I could get to my, my lunch. <laughs> So uh, Cap throws his shield, but the Punisher deflects it with his gun and, and, and deflects it in such a way, Bob, that it ricochets down to his feet where he can then put his foot on top of it, as in the image that is depicted on the cover. No way, Punisher. I've been threatened by the best, and it was no threat, Cap. Just a warning. Stay out of this or suffer the consequences. And there's a, when the shield hits the, the roof, it makes a sound. Okay. And Cap thinks to himself, incredible. Not one man in a thousand could stop my shield like that. So the Punisher aims his gun at Cap. We have no reason to fight, Captain. It's your battle I fight. The battle to rid our cities of criminal vermin, like the man you're protecting. Or... Didn't you know? That man is an underworld courier. He knows the meeting place of two rival mob bosses, and it's a meeting I plan to attend. Cap thinks to himself, that explains why those hitmen attacked him this morning. They must have been from a third gang wanting, wanting in on this meeting. Punisher, listen, you can't kill these mob bosses in cold blood. Even they have rights. Rights? They gave up their rights when they chose the path of crime. Now it's my job to punish them. And the Punisher never misses. Sounds like a, like, sounds like a motto. Maybe. Yeah. Bumper sticker, too. So I'll warn you again, Cap. Either surrender that scum to me, or be prepared to die with him. Gotta keep him talking. Maybe if I try a bluff. No need to be hasty, Punisher. I think we can make a deal. If you... And then... The guy behind him is like, deal? No. And and misunderstanding Cap's plan, the frightened little courier panics, playing right into the Punisher's hands. He'll kill me. And he starts running away. Wait, you fool. It's too late for the fool. I've already obtained the information I needed from him. His usefulness and his existence are over. And then he shoots him in the back. Blast you, Punisher. You'll pay for that. No, Captain, you'll pay if you get in my way again. And he jumps off the building. He's got quite a lead, but I can... And then Cap hears the victim's voice. Cap, what? The courier is still alive. I must have rattled the Punisher more than I thought. His aim was off. War Journal entry number 509er continued. I returned to my disguised combat van. Captain America's interference in my campaign having been terminated, at least, I hope it has, for his sake. 
But up on the roof, Cap's standing over the victim. He gets closer to hear him. Cap, boss's meeting, Arbor Rubber Products, the sixth floor. Got that? You gotta stop Punisher. He's passed out. He needs a doctor badly. But if I help him, the Punisher will blow his bosses away. How? And then there's a, a civilian who comes up on the roof. It looks like maybe like a, like a worker in the building, maybe. Hey, what's all the racket up here? A few kids are, huh? Captain America? Call an ambulance, old timer. And the police. Then he jumps off the building to chase the Punisher or to beat him there. Now everything is falling into place. Anna Kappelblum saw the Punisher's black outfit and thought he was a Nazi. Hmm. She may not be far from wrong. From what I've read about the Punisher, he's a strange fanatical crusader who's bent on exterminating all organized crime. But if he thinks he can carry his crusade into my neighborhood, endangering the lives and rights of innocent citizens, then he is most definitely wrong. And he's hopping around the city to get where he needs to. Next page. The red, white, and blue Avenger sprints rapidly across Brooklyn, and a common gas line suddenly becomes an event the motorists will remember for years. Bob, what's a gas line? Wow. Wow, Rick. Yeah, there was at this time uh, some of the lingering effects of the gas embargo um, yeah. following the fall of the Shah of Iran, right? I remember that as a kid. Yeah. There were the long gas lines that you your cars would sit in. And, and wasn't there like odd and even days and things like right? that? Yeah. 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 Depending on your license plate, I think. There's the factory up ahead, just off Henry Street. I only hope I'm in time. And then some of the pedestrians are there. They say on Luddle be up to two bucks a gallon in no time. I think it's, huh? Captain America. Oh, wow. Isn't he a hunk? I, you know, Bob, inflation is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're talking about unleaded will be up to two bucks a gallon in no time, which back then was a lot of money. That, that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know about where you live, but like right now where I'm at, you know, regular unleaded, that's like 330 to 350 a gallon. Yeah. It's about the same down here. Yeah. 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 So Cap gets to the building that he's supposed to be at, and there's a huge water tower on the top of the building. This is the factory, but it's only got five floors. Could the courier have been wrong? I don't wait. That huge water tower atop the building. Of course. That's the sixth floor. The meeting is inside the water tower. And then we have on the other side of the water tower, the Punisher. And he's putting an explosive uh, up on the rafter of, of the water tower. And there's three uh, guards that are unconscious, I think, laying down. War journal entry number 510. The guards were no problem at all. They never are. I carefully attached the plastic explosive to the tower base preparatory to eliminating two of Brooklyn's most powerful mob bosses, little John Giovanni and the young, ambitious Shark Armstrong. They, along with Giovanni's right-hand man and Armstrong's deceptively beautiful bodyguard, were meeting in the water tower office to discuss enlarging their businesses. I've had plans to make them regret their career choices forever. The detonator was ready with just one press of a button. And these scum would never ruin another life. But then, and Cap's shield comes out off panel and hits the detonator out of Punisher's hand. What? You again? Not again, Punisher. Still. Listen to me. I understand your cause. Maybe more than you know. But I can't let you murder these men. They have rights, just as you do. No man can be denied those rights. Or else none of us have any rights. Once I believed that too, Captain. But that was before everyone I ever cared about died at the hands of underworld hitmen. This is a war and crime is the enemy. There's only one way to fight it. My way. And he picks up his gun. He starts firing a cap. Of course, he has his shield up. Wake up, soldier. You think you're the only one who's ever lost a loved one? Sure, it's a war. 
But if you're on their terms, you're no better than they are. And just then, from behind the Punisher, which is the water tower, they hear the, the noise and they come, come out. And Cap thinks to himself, uh-oh, the mob boss has heard the commotion. We're sitting ducks out here. Still, I've got to get them out of the tower in case the Punisher makes a break for his detonator. Have to act like I don't see them. Next page. For some of the longest seconds of his life, Cap pretends not to notice the silently approaching lobsters. This is your last warning, Captain. If you're not with me, you're against me. Get a little closer, then let them have it. And Cap thinks to himself, here they come. Have to make my move. Now! And he takes, he runs to the Punisher and he takes him, flips him behind him so that his shield protects the Punisher from the Mafia's firing. An ambush. And you, you knew. It appears you saved my life, Cap. But that won't change anything if we get out of this. Punisher, I'll worry about that when we get out of this. For countless minutes, Bob. That's a long time for gunfire. It is, yeah. The Punisher and the criminals exchange volley after volley of hot lead. And such is the skill of the black garb vigilante that he single-handedly reduces the number of foes one by one. Mob reinforcements will show soon, Cap. Do you plan to just sit there on your shield? Because again, Cap's protecting the both of them with their shield. I was doing this before you were born, Punisher, and no second-rate hood is about to stop me now no matter how much firepower he has. That's something you should learn, Punisher. Oh, I've handled a gun a few times in my career, but I've never willingly taken a life, and I never will. That's something you should think about while you cover me. And Cap starts charging towards the Mafia with his shield. Entry number 510 continued. The odds shifted sharply to our side. Thanks to my marksmanship, and the astounding skill of Captain America. All gunfire ceased as the Avenger waded into the mobster's mitts, inadvertently forcing them back towards the water tower. I grabbed for the detonator. With just one touch, I could blow them all to bits. But Captain America was with them, and though I owed him nothing, though he had opposed me, I found I couldn't press the button. My hesitation prove to be my undoing so then uh you remember that that beautiful bodyguard <clears throat> i sure do i sure do rick <laughs> <laughs> wearing wearing that uh low cutting uh tight mm-hmm. dress mm-hmm. it's in a nice uh, viper viper green that's yeah, true freeze punisher i feel a little funny doing this especially since you just done my job for me but you're under arrest what a federal agent Your cover was most effective. I'll go quietly. I must say, I didn't expect you two to show up, Cap, but you've probably saved me a good week in closing out this game. Glad to have been of help, miss. Funny, I I wouldn't have expected the Punisher to surrender so easily. Then we get to the last page. And you see Punisher with his hands up, walking towards where the uh, the the last surviving standing mafia have their hands up against the water tower. Ironic, isn't it, Punisher? And your zeal to wipe out the mob. You would have killed a policewoman, someone who's on your side in this war. The irony is seemingly lost on the Punisher as he discards his detonator, a gesture that doesn't escape Cap's attention. The way he flipped that detonator was too deliberate, almost as if he'd said it to, everyone, get back from the tower. And then there's a big explosion. And how's it go, Bob? (laughs) And then when the smoke clears, the Punisher's gone. I knew it's something up his sleeve. Entry number 510 continued. It was no challenge to escape under cover of smoke and water. I easily made my way back to my combat van. I must consider this mission but a partial victory, though the criminal scum will be taken into custody. 
I wonder at my weakness in sparing Captain America's life. I shall have to give this matter much thought. End of entry. Shortly on the rooftop. We'll take over now, Cap. Too bad about the Punisher. Too bad? Yes. I suppose it was. We're very much alike, the Punisher and I. Each of us are fighting a very personal war. But he's got to be stopped. If we should meet again. The Avenger's voice trails off, and he is silent for a very long time. And then it it ends with end question mark. That was a good story, Rick. What'd you like about it, Bob? You know, I I, I just thought it was a well-written story. I thought the dialogue was good. I thought the pacing was good. Uh, you know, it, it just ha- it had a lot of features in it. That, that I, I mean, I just think this is a well-tuned story. It's one issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it interesting. Uh, it didn't bore me. It kept going. Uh, it, you know, it kept me engaged in it, and and it had a good, a good you know, a good ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and plus, it had a little bit of that philosophical stuff that you know that I like. So not only did it have action, but it had a little bit of like, hmm, hmm, I got to think about that sort of thing uh in it as well so um kudos to the writer yeah so um you know let's let's talk about it uh you know i guess we could sit here and debate vigilantism uh all day long and and quite frankly many people could look at costume heroes as vigilantes right i guess what really separates them is the lethal force i would say right yeah i mean there's, there's obviously they they do share some commonalities here, but they are diametrically opposed about uh, you know what rights criminals have, um, and so that that is I mean it's food for thought, and we continue. I mean you know the the, the Punisher continues to be a controversial character even uh, even today, you know all these years later, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the sole you know the, the the story doesn't just focus on sort of. Of, of that dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. It, it also has lots of great action sequences, not just uh, between Cap and Punisher, but but Cap on his own in pursuit. Um, so I mean, it's just it's all around. It's just a good a good book. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, do the criminals have rights just as you do? No man can be denied those rights, or else none of us have any rights. Do you, do you agree with that? Ah, gosh, I don't know, Rick. I'm not qualified to make that judgment. Um, I, I mean, I get where the Punisher is coming from. Um, I do. Uh, it comes from a place of, you know, of frustration. Um, and pain. And pain, right? Deep, deep pain. So, um, so yeah. I, I don't think, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to say there's an easy answer, right? But uh, there never is an easy answer. Yeah. I mean, I... I think the Punisher is a completely believable character, right? Um, you know, in the fact that here's a man who has his entire adult life been trained to be a killer, right? Right. Yeah. In 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 the military, um, he that is his his calling in life. You know, I mean, that that's really what he knows. It's all he knows. And so if you take him and give him something that, you know, just wipe out uh, everything that brings him joy and peace and love um, and it's gone, what what is a man who is trained to kill going to do? He's he, that that's going to be his reaction. So I think it's a very. I think he's a very believable character and I think, uh, and, you know, it would be interesting to see, you know, what's going on in, in this time, you know, uh, with, you know, like we said, Bernie gets and, uh, vigilantism in, mm-hmm. in, in the public. I mean, let's look, I don't want to get into this too, I, too detailed, but at a high level, I, you know, it's worth mentioning. I mean, here it is 42 years later. And the Punisher is still a controversial character. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because of his logo, the skull, has been 
used by various people in a way um, that some people take great offense to. And so he's, he's a very controversial figure uh, to this day. Um, whereas Marvel is, you know, making some changes uh, because they feel that the, the, the logo has been used and, and it be, it's, it's, they don't want to stand behind how the logo is being used in the public. So they're making a, a business choice to, to do this. Um, so it's interesting, you know, that, you know, here's a character that uh, I think quite frankly is a lot more believable than the Captain America, um, but is a lot more controversial. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, um, you know, Castle, Frank, Frank Castle, uh, he, he, he acts out of a, he, he's a strong character, but he acts from a place of weakness, right? Because he acts from, uh, from his loss, from his grieving, from uh, his, 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 uh, his, his sense of powerlessness. And so he's taking that power back, but he, but he acts from, from this, from this loss, right? This sense of weakness, whereas Cap acts from a sense of strength. That sense of strength is what propels him to look for other ways to resolve conflict other than through, you know, just the wholesale application of unmitigated violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's really the two sort of diametrically opposed philosophical standpoints of these two characters and why it's so interesting to see them um, go up against each other. Yeah. 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 They are two sides of a coin, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, why are they so different? You know, uh, did the Punisher, like his mission, I can almost not forgive, but understand when he snapped after his wife and kids were killed. Mm. But then to continue the vendetta, you know, I mean, it's like it's no longer a it's no longer like a um you know a case of temporary insanity if you will it, it's now a nope this is my mission i'm going to continue doing this uh that that's kind of um yeah it goes against everything cap would do i mean right like cap almost had a temporary insanity when he faced the loss, remember two episodes ago mm-hmm. when we covered him coming back from Dimension Z and going up against Nuke, he lost his, you know, love of his life, Sharon Carter, at least he believed he did. He lost his son that he raised for 12 years, or at least he thought he did. Uh, and make it even one step further, you know, he was now a, a man out of time. You know, where he, you know, everything was foreign to him again because he had spent 12 years in, in Dimension Z. Mm-hmm. Um, he almost snapped by by almost killing Nuke and if it wasn't for Falcon coming in and, and stopping him. Um, so it's it's interesting. Like, you know, I, is, it, is it how you're raised? You know, I mean, is it, I mean, you know, Steve goes back to to discuss and talk about in that story arc, right? There was a lot of flashbacks to his mom being mm-hmm. that that North Star for him and giving him the ability to to know that you just you you keep moving forward, you fight and you you never give up and and you know it's 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 in your heart. You know, what what was I, I I've read my my share of Punisher stories, right? And and by the way, there's been this was the 11th appearance of Punisher. There's been nearly a thousand in Marvel Comics since he's debuted. So I've not read a thousand Punisher stories, but I've read my share. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall too many stories like going about his childhood, like what what led to him being this way. Um, but there's got to be something in there to help, you know, maybe explain why they are these two different sides of the same coin. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just briefly 
briefly put on my uh, my 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 professor cap. Mm-hmm. I put on my professor cap here. And here's one of the interesting things that I think between the Punisher and, and Captain America, you know, uh, my background is in social psychology. <clears throat> There's a lot of that in marketing too. I know you're familiar with uh, mm-hmm. sort of how people, how people behave and how they act and what they believe. Um, but, you know, it's, it's well established that, um, you know, people, people tend to think that your, your attitudes, your beliefs shape your behaviors. But what the research often suggests is that your behaviors shape your belief systems. Hmm. Uh, They reinforce your attitudes. And so the more you behave in a certain way, your attitudes will fall in line. Your beliefs will fall in line with the behaviors that you are, uh, that you're, that you're performing. And so when you look at somebody like Cap and you look at somebody like uh, Frank Castle as the Punisher, the behaviors that they routinely engage in sort of cycle back and reinforce their belief systems. Mm-hmm. So as Cap struggles to do the right thing, um, to do the kind thing, the compassionate thing, to do the wise thing, to try to avoid violence whenever possible in order to find a different way, um, that of course reinforces his belief system. But in the case of the Punisher, the more violence that he engages in, it, it reinforces his belief system that violence is in fact necessary and is the only, you know, course of action. So, you know, as we say on, on, on the coin, Rick, you know, what would cap do? That's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's an opportunity every day for us to, to think about the things that we do in our daily lives and how those reinforce the things that we believe uh, uh, to create that positive cycle of, of action. Yeah. No, no, you bring up an excellent point. I, I agree wholeheartedly about as far as your actions can shape how you, you end up having what your beliefs are and what you what you think. You know, that's just kind of like a, a psychology one oh one, you know, mm-hmm. let's if you're going through a trauma, then you know, do the next right thing. Right. Right, you know, type of thing. So um yeah, you know. Hey, that that's what makes these stories great, Bob, is that it gives us a chance to to kind of think about these things um, and then maybe think about, you know, how it, you know, how it's similar uh, to our own lives and, and what we can take away from those things. So excellent. That, that's always great. I love, mm-hmm. love, love chatting about this with you. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, you know, and again, I just want to give kudos to the writer, right? Um as you said, he, I mean, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't written a lot of cap stories, but uh, he did a great job on this one. Yep. So let's talk about other cap stories, right? So we've got coming up in next episode. So we have an episode 69. It is uh, an interview episode. You know, we do the the first Wednesday of every month is going to be, uh, we have a guest on the show. Um, and this one, we actually have a couple of very interesting uh, Captain America comic book fans like ourselves that are going to join the show, uh, Ken Worthing and Ralph Warner. And what makes that, What? why are they interesting? Why, why do we want to talk to them? Well, because they have these massive collections of international Captain America comic books. So, Bob, you've and if you're part of the Facebook group, you have seen them post in our group, various uh, issues of foreign countries of, of Captain America. Um, and there's these, you know, there's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. There's all these different versions of these Captain America comic books out there. And I, I don't know about you, Bob, but I've, I've seen these and I'm like, wow, what, you know, what, how do you get these? Where do these come yeah. from? Where, you know, uh, you know, what are they worth? Uh, or, you know, why are they different? Why, why is some of them, the coloring different? Why is some of them, the art different? Uh, you know, so I have, I have tons of questions and, uh, Ken and Ralph will join the show. We'll have a nice round table discussion to talk about their collections and, uh, the, the joy of collecting various foreign editions of Captain America comic books. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, this is great because, um, it's not something a lot of collectors know about. Um, 
it's certainly not something I knew about until I joined the group and was exposed to some of these things. And let me tell you, I traveled all over the world. I mean, I've lived and worked all over the world, and it never occurred to me to go out looking for some Captain America comics. Um, and I'm kicking myself now, but uh, I think this is going to be really interesting for a lot of folks because it's going to sort of, you know, shed some light on some areas of, of the Cap mythos, the Cap collecting, you know, story. Uh, that a lot of folks aren't aware of. And I, I think this can be really a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that conversation. So join us next episode 69, where we'll talk with uh, Ken and Ralph about the uh, international Captain America comic books. All right, Bob, I think that wraps up everything. And, I think it and, does. Yeah. And, and speaking of wrapping, I've enjoyed wrapping cap with you. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was just so well done. So well done. Oh, well. You old fire horse, you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius, and I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.